Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We're going to continue to go through the 100 most dramatic moments in Rugby League history. We kicked this off with 100 to 80 yesterday. So go back and have a listen to that one. Some great moments there. Uh, Joey Johns in 05, Finchie's field goal. Uh, Of course, uh, Ellery Hanley in the 1988 Grand Final. A heap to go through there. We're not going through every single one. Uh, We've got this list of 100. We're picking certain ones to go through from little 20 minutes installments. So, uh, from, from, sorry, 20 pick installments. So we've got 80 down to 60 today, and we have got a few highlighted ones, but a lot of these ones are from a very long time ago. But I've picked some of the more interesting ones to go through today. Let's start at number 79. Uh, the heading is Burge scores eight tries on June 19. 1920, so just over a 100 years ago. Of course, Frank Burge is now an immortal of our game. Frank Burge, a rugby union first grader at 14 and league legend with Glebe by 19, was regarded as a man before his time with his powerful physique and speed carved from revolutionary training methods. Some days he was almost unstoppable and it proved that way when playing lock. He scored what is still a record eight tries and four goals in Glebe's Glebe's 41-0 victory over the university in the most devastating effort by a forward of all time. Now, still to this day, he is often referred to as the best forward that Australia has ever produced. Certainly back then, there was no question about it. Just to give you an idea of what Frank achieved, uh, he played 242 first-grade games. He scored 256 tries. So as a lock forward... He was going at more than a try a game, which is pretty incredible. He played in some handy handy teams, no doubt about it, uh, but his support play and everything was apparently unbelievable. And the way that he handled himself, he was essentially a cheat code on a rugby league field. So for a lock forward to score 256 tries in less than 250 games, that is simply unbelievable. I mean, no one's even going to get close to that. We look at Dave Fafita and what he's done so far in his career, playing in the second row, a position where you tend to score more tries tries than lock. He is more damaging than any other back row in our game at the moment probably. He's not even near that strike rate. So think about that for Frank Burge. Incredible. An immortal of our game. 
pretty wild to look back on that one. Let's have a look at our next moment. And this one is from uh, May 18, 1912. Messenger's greatest goal. This one came in at number 74. Pretty wild, this one. Such was the improbability that even the great Dally Messenger could kick a goal from 15 yards his side of halfway. The crowd jeered and hooted him. Seconds later, they stood in stunned silence. Playing for East against South at the agricultural ground, Messenger took a mark late in the game, five yards inside East territory near the touchline. Then, says Folklore, took the ball back a further 10 yards and kicked the goal. With the ball clearing the dead ball line, it was a kick of some 90 metres. The goal gave East a 9-8 victory and even opposing South players helped chair Messenger from the field. Could you imagine a world now where uh, South Sydney players are going to chair a Roosters player off the field? Pretty wild. Now, this one sounds uh, pretty... It sounds like it's been added a few yards as the story's gone on over the last 100 years. Uh, But if true, an incredible one there. Dally Messenger, another absolute legend of our game, another immortal of our game. Pretty wild to be kicking from your own half. We see it in Rugby Union occasionally, but with modern balls that are designed to be kicked, that are designed to move through the air a lot better than these old, you know, wet bricks the boys were kicking with. Pretty impressive. 1912. Let's have a look. Number 73. Rugby Union strikes at league's heart. Now, this one was from February 6, 2001. A lot of people will remember this one. Two moves proved the relationship between the once amateur rugby union and 93-year-old enemy rugby league had turned full circle when the ARU signed Kangaroos, Wendell Saylor and Matt Rogers. The wingers became the first current league internationals to be attracted by the massive money and the lure of the World Cup, reversing the historic trend. It sent shockwaves through the NRL, whose clubs, with a stricter salary cap in force, had become almost powerless against the Rugby Raiders. Yet they voted not to panic and introduce uh, cap concessions in response. Sailor was signed for a reported 700000 per season, and in February, in February and in four months later, Rogers was signed for more than 400000 a year. Obviously, Rogers uh, and Wendell Sailor, and then later Lottie Takiri went on to represent the Wallabies in the 2003 World Cup final. I believe they lost that one to England. Johnny Wilkinson breaking the heart uh, of the Wallabies there. Unbelievable kicking performance. Really good game to go back and watch, to be honest with you, as much as it is Rugby Union. Still remember watching that one as a kid and not being a huge Union fan, but just being glued to that game. Unreal to see. Uh, the boys lit it up in that World Cup as well. I remember a game against Nambibia, I think it was, where the Wallabies scored 100 points and I think the league boys combined for about 50 points on their own. I know Matt Rogers absolutely carved it that day. Uh, so yeah, pretty strange one there, seeing guys go to Union that had never really happened before. In fact, the league had taken a heap of guys from Union, like Ricky Stewart and such. The list goes on and on. But yeah, pretty wild to see that one. It's still happening today. Obviously, we've lost a heap of guys. Tepai Morel went over there. Israel Folau, you name it, a heap of guys. Ryan Cross. Um, I'm struggling to think of Marika Korobidi, these sort of fellas. So, pretty impressive there. The first one there, 2001, was not all that long ago. Let's go to number 72. Face slapping on 60 minutes. This one is July 1979. You'll probably have an idea who we're talking about here. When the cameras of the country's leading current affairs program, 60 Minutes, were given rare access to the Roy Masters coach, Western Suburbs Magpies, in 1979, it was to be a breakthrough for the sport to be featured in prime time as an investigative news item. 
Instead, the sport's image was left tarnished with scenes of players, Tom Rodotikas and Jack Jeffries, getting far too physical in pre-match face-slapping sessions aimed at revving them up for the battle. Scenes that were repeated constantly around the country on news bulletins. It was, in, it was in the middle of the Masters-inspired Fibro versus Silvertails period in which he drove a modestly talented team to regular finals appearances using the socioeconomic disadvantages of the district as a motivation. Incredible stuff there by Roy Masters. Obviously, all blew up deluxe back then, way before my time, but I still think that is some of the best rugby league footage you will ever see. Uh, they mentioned how he really did play on the uh, Fibro versus Silvertails. Obviously, the Silvertails being the Manly Boys, Fibros uh, being the Western Suburbs Magpies, obviously based off what houses were built out of out that way. Uh, an absolute masterstroke by Masters, in my opinion. I think that's sensational to see that sort of stuff. and really sums up rugby league. Fortunately, Tommy Rodotikas died earlier this year. Uh, rest in peace to Tommy, legend of our game. Let's move to number 71, the Hartley Conspiracy Theory. From 1978 in September, this sort of shit's still going on and I can't believe it. But anyway, the performances of Greg Hartley elevated from reserve grade to grand final referee in a matter of weeks in 1978 provides the greatest refereeing debate in the era of limited tackle football. Rugby League Week revealed weeks before the finals that he had been told it was a formality that Hartley would referee the grand final. The prediction came true. The ensuing weeks were dominated by accusations that Hartley had made a series of controversial decisions that favoured eventual premiers Manly. South, West and Parramatta said they would refuse to play under Hartley the next season. The Eels even requested that their their lost semi-final replay to be annulled because of Hartley's incompetence, including their grand final replay win against Cronulla. Hartley refereed the Manly Seagulls in seven of their last 10 games. They were not beaten in any of them. Pretty wild one there. Greg Hartley getting uh, getting accused of some pretty wild stuff. There was another one here. I'm just trying to find where it is. Uh, Yeah, number 69, similar situation. Grand Finals most dubious referee performance, September 20, 1952. So what is it, like 25 years before this one? Mystery will always surround the performance of referee Greg Bishop in the 1952 Grand Final between South and West. Many at the time claimed Bishop, well known for his love of the punt, was part of a betting scandal. Certainly some decisions were hard to fathom. South had a try disallowed when a pass from Frank Threflow, I think it is, Threll throw, sorry, Threll throw, uh, was ruled forward when film showed clearly it went backwards. West had two dubious tries allowed, one where their winger was clearly offside and another from a pass to Dev Dines that was so blatantly forward, he pulled up mo- uh, momentarily expecting the ref's whistle. With a 15-4 penalty count in favour of the Magpies, they won 22-12. Bishop retired after the match, while South skipper Jack Rayner refused to ever talk to Bishop again, claiming we weren't allowed to win that day. Some pretty controversial ones there from the last 100-odd years. Let's move to number 68. The night Lang Park rained cans. This one's from May 31, 1988. I'm sure you'll remember this one. Michael Stone. What were you thinking, Simbinning Queensland's favourite son, Wally Lewis, at Lang Park Stadium, which then had its had its outer grandstand 
pig pens and copious uh, 4X cans in the hands of virtually every spectator. Queensland were looking to wrap up the series, but New South Wales led 6-4 with 18 minutes remaining, making the crowd uh, anxious. A scuffle between Greg Canescu and Phil Daly grew to a wild brawl, brawl with Lewis running 20 metres to become involved. Queensland skipper Wally Lewis, man of the match in seven of the previous 21 origin clashes, argued... Uh, with referee Stone that Canescu should not have been simbined, only for Stone to evict Lewis as well for dissent. Lewis refused to budge at first before slowly removing himself. Hundreds of cans, some still weighed down by their, their, their liquor content, remain on, rained on the field, missing some New South Wales players by centimetres. Stone stopped the game until police took five minutes to restore some sort of order. The clearly rattled Blues could not regain their composure and Queensland, inspired by prop Sam Bacco, scored two tries to win 16-6. Pretty wild scenes there at Lang Park. I think there's the old footage of Peter Sterling picking up cans and throwing them back into the crowd with Benny Elias, I think it was. Unbelievable scenes. Really just sums up what State of Origin is all about there. Wally Lewis, the king of Lang Park, sent from the field there in 1988. Wild as it comes. Let's move to our next one. got a few more to come still pretty big one today number 65 pricey and the crow go out as true heroes september 28 1986 two years before that lang park incident the emotion was overflowing after Parramatta's triumphant uh victory uh, in the only trialist grand final in 1986 and eels legends ray price and mick cronin did a slow victory lap Cronin had missed all but the final six premiership games of the season and should not have been on the field. He had only 20% vision in one eye after a nasty incident in pre-season trial at Cessnock, but his teammates, who, who held him in awe, insisted he return for one last hurrah at age 35. After missing two relatively easy shots at goal, Cronin landed his last two to give the Eels a 4-2 victory after Bulldogs' Terry Lamb missed a late attempt that would have put the match into extra time. At 35 Four year old at 34 years old, Price's last ambition was to captain the Eels to a title. He announced his retirement in his post-match speech. Unbelievable there, Ray Price, one of the legends of our game, announcing his retirement as getting the trophy. Doesn't get much better than that. Mick Cronin, we also spoke about him uh, a little bit on the podcast here and there. He's obviously from Jeringong. I'm down there a little bit. Still runs the pub there, Cronin. Still behind the bar, handing out beers. Sensational bloke. We spoke to Rod Wishart, also a outside back that came through Jeringong, and he remembers uh, Mick Cronin when he was a kid, just being an absolute god. Yeah, so incredible for him to go through. Both represented the Kangaroos in the centre jersey, both goal kickers. Sensational stuff. That uh, that '86 Parramatta side, all through the '80s Parramatta, pretty special team there. Very special day for the those two players. Let's have a look at moment number 64. This one comes from August 24, 1912. Horder beats a whole team on debut. South Sydney winger Harold Horder made perhaps the most impressive debut in the game's history when as an 18-year-old he was caught up to the Rabbitohs side for the last premiership game of 1912 after starring in a local B-grade final the previous weekend. 
Just 10 minutes into the game against Glebe at Wentworth Park, of course, where the dogs run now. Pretty pretty cool little bit of history there. Horder received the ball from a failed penalty kick at goal about 10 yards from his own try line. He took off down the center of the field, then jinked and swerved, beating almost the entire Glebe team in a jagged run of over 110 yards to score under the post. The crowd stood and applauded long after the conversion had been taken. So began a magnificent career that ended in Brisbane in 1926 and saw Horder score 307 tries and 268 goals and become generally regarded as the best player in the game's first half century. That is unbelievable to think. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 307 goals, 200, sorry, 307 tries, 268 goals for a goal kicker to score more tries than they kick goals. That is mind-blowing. One of the best we've seen as well. Let's move to number 63, League's First Venture Club. September 23, 1998. This venture club still getting around in the NRL today. The game's most famous club and one of its poorest financially, St. George and Illawarra, created history by forming the game's first joint venture. A merger described by many as a shotgun wedding, tempted by an $11 million bonus provided by the NRL to encourage Cubs to merge before the competition was reduced from 20 teams to 14. The Dragons and Steelers joined forces in a bid to create a stronger joint venture. While many saw it as a Dragons takeover, the home venue's board of directors and playing staff were split between the two clubs, and in their first season, they combined at the combined outfit made it all the way to the grand final. So, of course, 1999 was the St. George Illawarra Dragons' first season in the NRL as a joint venture. Uh, they managed to go all the way to the grand final, unfortunately, losing to the Melbourne Storm off, of course, that unbelievable penalty try that day. One of the craziest moments ever in rugby league. I'll be very keen to see where that one lands in this list, I'm assuming. That'll have to be in the top 10 at absolute worst. Crazy scenes there. But yeah, pretty impressive. To, well, pr- pretty crazy to think back that the Dragons, obviously they were the team that had won 11 premierships in a row only 30 or 40 years earlier. One of the most famous clubs in the country, merging with the Steelers who were just financially in all sorts. You know, pretty wild to look back on that now. Don't really have um, a comparison to, to compare it to in the modern game, but crazy to think back on. Let's move to number 61, and this will be... The second last one in this instalment, number 61. Timmons Origins first golden hero May 26 2004 still remember watching this one Dragons veteran Sean Timmons was the most unlikely hero in State of Origins first golden point shootout in game one of 2004 at Telstra Stadium the Blues had a dramatic lead up marred by the drunken escapades which saw Anthony Minicello and Mark Asnia dropped three minutes into extra time Craig Gower playing on with a badly injured knee had missed three shots at field goal but Timmons coolly plotted the 37-metre one-pointer just the second of his career for a 9-8 Blues victory. Sean Timmons playing 5-8 that night, traditionally more of a lock forward or a second rower, jumping in at 5-8 to represent the New South Wales Blues and hit just his second field goal in his career to win that game 9-8. Wild to think about. Blues, as it said, lost to Anthony Minicello and Mark Gazner in the week leading up to it. That was the fire-up incident via text message. Unbelievable scenes there, Sean Timmons. I always 
sort of compare the Sean Timmons ones and the Brett Finchfield goal. Pretty wild. Finchie's obviously got the narrative, but he was a genuine halfback. Sean Timmons, you wouldn't call him a genuine 5'8". He could handle himself there. So to step up and for it to be the first ever origin to go to Golden Point, wild scenes there. Great moment for Sean Timmons, champion player as well. Let's move to number 60, and this one is titled Queensland's Bravest Victory. This one comes from 1989, so the year after uh, the 4X cans landed on Lang Park on the field there. June 14, 1989, there may have been greater victories by those dreaded Maroons in State of Origin, but certainly none more courageous than the 16-12 victory in the second match of the 1989 Origin Series at the Sydney Football Stadium. By halftime, with the scores locked at 6-all, Queensland had lost Alan Langer with a broken leg, Mal Meninga with a fractured eye socket, and Paul Vorton with an elbow injury. So you lose your starting halfback, an immortal at centre, and your starting front rower. Can't imagine too many teams managing to regain themselves from there. That would be like New South Wales losing Nathan Cleary, losing Payne Haas, and then losing one of their centres, let's say Latrell Mitchell, but let's imagine Latrell Mitchell is heaps better than what he is, and he's an immortal of our game. With all due respect to Latrell Mitchell, not an immortal, not on the level of Mal Meninga. So it's crazy to think a team could come back from that. Doesn't leave too many guys on the bench, and Queensland is a bruising affair. Uh, State of origin is a bruising affair as it is, and it was in Sydney. New South Wales' record in Sydney is incredible. Let's continue Continue. Uh, in the second half, Paul Vaughton with the In the second half, winger Michael Hancock joined them with a bruised shoulder, meaning Bob Linder had to stay on with a fractured ankle because there was no replacements left. When Linder finally retired, it left the Maroons a man down for the final five minutes. Wally Lewis played one of his most inspirational matches, scoring a memorable try from 30 metres, securing the, Mo- the Maroons the series after they had lost five games straight in the previous two years. Lewis regards that night as the greatest Queensland victory he had played in. So they played the last five minutes, one play down. Bobby Linder played with a, what was it, a fractured uh, ankle for the vast majority of that game and then had to call it a day with five minutes to go. I imagine just unbelievable pain there. You look at the players they lost in that game, but they still had Wally Lewis. And I think this is sort of the moment that elevates him to another level. I think it's a little bit underrated, to be honest with you. I think it probably should be higher than 60, realistically. You watch that try that Wally Lewis scored. He kind of, you can see he's kind of on his own. He actually throws a dummy to no one in this run. But just the brute force, the power, the speed of Wally Lewis. He just had it all. Oh, I say speed. He never looked like he was going too quick. But he just always, he just ran as fast as he needed to each and every time. We had Tony Durkin. He was the editor for uh, Rugby League Week. He's, he's my great uncle. We had him on the podcast during the year, and him telling this story of Wally Lewis, this try, simply incredible. That is number 80 through to number 60 of the 100 most dramatic moments in Rugby League history. Tomorrow, we're going to go from 60 down to 40, and it really does start to heat up. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.